When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Welcome, Queerty, to another lovely Friday, a day I choose to commemorate even though weeks mean nothing to me anymore. Honestly, Drag Race is the only way I've been able to remember what day of the week it is. Today, we've got some pretty wild headlines for you, including a transphobic campground run by a gay man, a surprising opponent to a Dolly Parton statue, and a terrifying aspect of Elton John's life you definitely didn't see depicted in Rocketman. Plus, we've got a very special guest today, one who's more ripped than the overpriced pre-distressed jeans I made my mom by at Abercrombie in the early 2000s, a dear friend, an incredible stand-up comic, and a familiar voice from a few episodes back, Jay Jordan. I'm really psyched to loop him in today. But first, uh, we've got some headlines to review from this dumpster fire of a week. So here's a little segment we like to call Catch Her Up. First on our list of headlines, a gay campground bans trans men for reasons that sound oddly reminiscent of the right-wing bigots trying to pass anti-trans laws all around the country at the state level. A place called Camp Boomerang is a private members-only campground in Michigan, and as such, they say they're allowed to define membership however they like. So the owner has chosen to limit membership to men and has chosen to define gender based on the presence of genitalia, writing that members must have, quote, a penis, be male presenting, and have a state-issued ID that says male, end quote. Because what better way to show gays deserve the same rights as cis straight people than by mimicking their transphobia? This is so ignorant on so many levels because it tries to police people based on rigid and binary definitions of gender that aren't just wrong, but have been used against all members of the LGBTQ community as evidenced by a Supreme Court case last year where trans and gay plaintiffs had to sue after supposedly traditional ideas surrounding gender were used as an excuse to discriminate against them at work. So have fun jerking off in the woods, obsessing over people's genitals, and then complaining when Republicans do the same. Thankfully, many former members spoke out online and have canceled their membership to Camp Boomerang. So not all gay men are trash, I promise. Our second headline of the day, the latest development on the Dolly Parton statue in front of the Tennessee state capitol is that Dolly Parton hates the idea. In a statement on Twitter, she said she was humbled and honored at the idea, but said that she's asked leaders of the state legislature to remove from consideration any bills that would erect a Dolly Parton statue in Tennessee, writing, given all that is going on in the world, I don't think putting me on a pedestal is appropriate at this time. I hope, though, that somewhere down the road, several years from now, or perhaps after I'm gone, if you still feel 
I deserve it, then I'm certain I will stand proud in our great state capital as a grateful Tennessean. That is such a, a graceful response, uh, especially because she basically said, look, people need stimulus checks, universal health care, and equal rights. So how about we work on that first? Then we can have a bust of my bust in front of the Tennessee state capital. Would love. Truly an iconic response. We love her for it. All right. And our last headline of the day, a weird one that I honestly just learned about this week. Elton John was friends with Rush Limbaugh. Last week, the most hateful of hateful talk radio host Rush Limbaugh died. But amid the tweets recounting his past violent dehumanizing language toward queer and trans people, among many other marginalized groups, I learned something that I hadn't before. Elton John played at Rush Limbaugh's fourth wedding. And besides the shock, there are two things there, right? Number one, hilarious that a man married four times got away with insisting queer people were deteriorating traditional values. And two, how much did Elton John get paid to play at the wedding of a man who routinely mocked queer people, including those who've died during the HIV AIDS epidemic? This is a question Elton John has been asked many times. And when confronted about this in the past, he usually says he kept up an actual friendship with Rush Limbaugh in hopes of swaying him on his bigotry, which clearly worked out great with the passage of time. You know what I mean? Today's guest is a very talented comedian who knows how to write a joke and will let you know on Twitter. He can also show you because his stand-up's been featured on Comedy Central, The Late Show, and The Tonight Show. You may have heard him as the host of Grinders' The Rear View podcast, nominated for Queerty, or listened to his comedy album, Jay Jordan, y'all. Please welcome to the Queerty podcast. Jay Jordan, y'all. Yay. Oh, my goodness. So happy to be here. Oh, Gabe, some of that news made me make the most famous Kerry Washington face ever. It was just <laughs> disgusting. Some of that. Oh, my goodness. I love how you sandwich something, I guess, a bit beautiful and selfless in between two terrible news items. You got to sneak it in somehow, right? We're past the point of sandwiching the bad in the middle of the good. We just have to sandwich the good in the middle of the bad and hope that's enough. I found out about Dolly Parton being like, I don't want a statue right now. I'm not important. I was like, that's what she does. Like she secretly gave money to help develop a vaccine. She loves when drag queens are Dolly. Like no matter what, yeah. that woman is doing good whether the cameras are there or not. And she saved a child from being hit by a car. She been doing it all. She wrote a song criticizing capitalism that is draining the worker from their productivity. <laughs> you know what I mean? The oppressive five-day work week. Like, we really have to stand and keep standing. You know what I'm saying? I, it's an icon, an angel among us. It makes me happy because she's also so Southern. Like, it's insane to hear someone be that progressive and sound so much like the state of Tennessee. It's a bit jarring, but in the best way. I also just love the idea of, like, a place called Dollywood existing. And then she's like, no, no, but a statue is too far. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not right now. Let's not. <laughs> I do love her, though. Uh, well, Jay, thank you so much for joining us today and also offering your thoughts on another Southern icon. Well, I mean, and you count, too. Congratulations on your Super Bowl win. Oh, my God. Yeah. Talk to my family group thread about that, man. My mom literally had the audacity to call me the morning of the Super Bowl being like, do you have have any bucks jerseys that you could put on i want to do a family collage of all of us watching the super bowl and i was like ingrid i used my mother's first name i was like ingrid you must know me by now 30 years on this earth and i know you know better than to ask that question <laughs> can we talk about Catherine hahn and all the remixes <laughs> of wow. Agatha all along. Wow. wow, wow, We actually wow. need to talk about WandaVision in general because I'm so excited to have you on because I know you're such a Marvel Comics nerd. Yes. And I have met few people that are as passionate about like deep cut 
weird Marvel characters than you. Listeners, Gabe and I have been to FlameCon. Twice. We performed at FlameCon twice together. Like, it's not a game. This isn't all for show. So I'm very excited that we get to see a reality warper do some very fun, not only like Pleasantville stuff, but like a full range of like the evolution of the American sitcom. So we're playing with Marvel meta theatrics in a streaming service, but also dealing with like reality warping and like a story that is at its core about grief. So it's so big, but also so small and niche. It's really, I love it. You managed to use the phrase meta theatrics and at its core in one sentence. I want you to review this entire series. Like, please. Yes, I did go to school for a very long time (laughs) and I read a bunch of books. You know, I think I was sort of disoriented the first three episodes because I didn't quite know what to expect and it didn't really feel like a TV show. It almost felt like like a special. But I think as we started to weave in the story of Monica Rambeau and Sword and her kids, one of which may be gay, which we, well is gay and we will talk about. I don't know what the MCU is doing, but in the comics, can it? In the comics, Billy is gay and Tommy is bi. We love it. At one point in the comics, Wanda said no more mutants, but she also said no more straight kids. And I think that spell is just as important. They've been playing with the fact that Billy is a little sensitive, quote unquote, kid. <laughs> yeah. The way they framed him is he's a lot like his mom. If you've ever heard someone say, well, he just takes after his mother, they know. <laughs> yes, I heard it. Yes. <laughs> You're spending too much okay. time with your mother. We're going out on Sunday <laughs> and we're going to toss a fucking football in the park. You're looking too much like your mom. In your Buccaneers jersey. Dude, right? Oh my God. The way that man would drag me to baseball games on weekends, like either of us wanted to be there. It was embarrassing for both of us. Can I just say, and I have said this before on stage, I know that it really is America's pastime, but <laughs> y'all, I was born in 1988 and I'm still not old enough to enjoy baseball. It is a chore. You were born in 1988 Ooh. and there may be a baseball game that started that year still going on. I cannot abide by that. Okay, but hold on. I want to go back. We went on a terrifying tangent there and before I trigger traumatic childhood memories, I want to talk about gay superheroes named Wiccan because everybody's yes. writing about it. Queerty wrote an article about it very recently talking about the comics character. Queer media has been abuzz surrounding both of these queer siblings, right? What do you think is happening at this juncture? Spoilers may be ahead because we're both caught up and if you aren't, be wary. But I've seen a lot of speculation. I have friends who have literally never read a, a goddamn comic book or watched more than one MCU film being like, I'm watching videos on YouTube about Easter eggs and like the comics history. So I want to talk to a real expert. What's happening? Where do you think this is headed? And how soon are we getting queers that aren't just at like a post-snap therapy session? I need to know. I think that we've had a bunch of queer coded, yes, a lot of implicitly queer characters in the MCU thus far. Most famously, Captain Marvel. The relationship between Maria Rambo, Monica's mother, and Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel, that's a love-based relationship mm-hmm. between two women. That's a sapphic interaction. Yes! Come through, sapphic! I think we will get an explicitly queer kind of mainstay superhero soon, and it might be with the teenagers in Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. In Young Avengers, the comic book, in a couple of different iterations, but volume one, we are introduced to Billy Kaplan. He's Billy Maximoff 
in WandaVision, but that's because at some point, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Yeah, just just know that kids can be reincarnated and given to other families, but blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> of course they can. In this administration, shit, we might get a magical <laughs> gay spoiler. <laughs> space wizard. The fun part about Wiccan is if you go back to like Young Avengers, at first they all wanted to be smaller iterations of already existing Avengers characters. So there was a character called Patriot, who was the mirror of Captain America. There was a character called Hulkling, Teddy, who actually ends up becoming Wiccan's husband. First gay wedding in the Marvel Universe. And he... Second, North Star got married first. Oh my god, you're right. We love erasing Canadian legacies. Uncanny X-Men 51, I have it on my wall. Amazing. So then you have Teddy, who was Hulkling, who was supposed to be like the mirror image of the Hulk. And then you had Billy, who at the time went by Asgardian. Shut up, Because he was supposed to, he was supposed to be a mirror of Thor. I think it was Kate Bishop was like, you might want to change your name. Wait, but like, honestly, that sounds like a porn parody superhero. (laughs) The like dollar store just different enough from the name brand. Yeah, he wanted to call himself Asgardian and Kate Bishop, who's Hawkeye. Yeah. She was like, Billy, I come here. Okay, um, maybe don't. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, oh, oh, now I hear it. So and you're going to get a bunch of fun stuff. I think it might be easier with teenagers. There's the Kieran Gillen run of Young Avengers that's almost all queer. It's Lil Loki, who is technically genderqueer, pan. Novar, who's bi. It's Hulkling, who's gay. It's Billy Kaplan, who's gay. It's Miss America, who's a lesbian. Like, So there is one volume of Young Avengers that is super queer that anyone who doesn't know anything about comedy Comics can pick up and look and that entire run is about them like kind of like defeating adults it's beautiful so i think the next five years will be we'll hear someone like say oh no no i'm gay and then they'll actually have more stuff to say instead of like that's the thing because we're talking about this stuff now and it's probably not going to get made for like another eight we're not going to see a young avengers movie for like five to eight years all you performers out there get you some hyaluronic acid oh no <laughs> i am you we've all watched riverdale i could play 17. They've played 17 and 40 recently, so it's fine. You know, I guess someone said they had the range. We'll see about that. All right, we are about to take a quick break, but before we go, I just want to ask, are you like an old school Catherine Hahn fan? Because I'm like, I love Dick, Transparent, the unreleased pilot of AbFab that they cast her in in the US. Like, I love Catherine Hahn. When did you start learning amazing supporting white actresses' names? It was like college, yeah, right? That's when it was like Judy Greer, Catherine Hahn. Judy Greer, Leslie Mann, Catherine Thank Hahn. You, you should go, who is this? Exactly. Someone put them in a buddy ensemble comedy. Put them on a road trip. Send them to Vegas. I don't care. I want to see them carry a goddamn film together. I remember seeing her, especially whenever you would start to just watch random episodes of Parks and Rec. You'd be like, she is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so then you like, are you backlogged? So you instantly go to IMDb or Wikipedia and you go, oh, 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 oh. Because as a queer person, you're like, I want to make sure she's eating well. I want to make sure 
sure she's working. I want to make sure that other people recognize this talent. Yes. Because every gay person secretly wants to be someone else's agent. They want to be like, well, technically, this person has been doing it for a while. If you go back and watch the Star Search episode that they're on, you know, you understand how many gay boys are like, if you watch Jasmine Sullivan when she was 12. Yes. I'm like, girl, listen, <laughs> where do you do? <laughs> it's like people randomly pulling out clips that were taken like behind the scenes with a camcorder of Michelle Pfeiffer and a Batman <laughs> from over a decade ago. I'm like, you all had this. You were waiting. You kept this on your hard drive, waiting for the moment it would have maximum clout impact. And I love you for it because it's a mutually beneficial relationship. These divas win. The gays win. It's great. But yeah, I'm really excited that they cast her. I think I couldn't see many other actresses like hitting all the notes this character needs. I love that they seem to be putting a slightly different spin on this comics character. It's just really thrilling to see new and unexpected talent kind of show up in the quote unquote superhero movie and seeing, you know, these sort of narrative risks being taken and and seeing folks get to play outside the box. I look forward to when The Eternals directed by Chloe Jaw comes out and we can talk about that on here too, because that's going to be really queer and really weird. But for now, we're going to take a very quick break. We will be back with Jay Jordan, where I will ask him about a story from 2017 that is back in the news. I think you might have some insight into. And we will also be talking about the results from the QWERTY Awards that happened this past Wednesday with QWERTY's entertainment editor, David Reddish. So uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back on the QWERTY podcast. I am your host, Gabe Gonzalez, and I am here today talking with Jay Jordan. Jay, I want to talk to you a lot about a, a story that has resurfaced recently related to a, a precedent-setting poly relationship in California. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, who better than to ask about this than the man with many boyfriends? <laughs> so this story is, is from 2017, and it's back in the headlines this week. Three men who are in a relationship together sued the state of California to all be listed on their child's birth certificate a few years ago. And they were recently on an Australian morning program talking kind of about that publicly for one of the first times. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this story. Does something like this ever cross your mind? Are you ever like, what if I got to like balance several partners? Or like, do you ever think about like suing New York State so you can like file taxes with all your boyfriends? No, I have two boyfriends. As long as one of them takes my dog on the afternoon walk, I'm fine. And that's not a euphemism for the gross people who listen to this. <laughs> like, literally, I walk with the dog in the morning. That's the poop walk. And I do the nighttime walk, too, because I'm probably up late tweeting when I shouldn't be or watching Gargoyles. If you do the afternoon walk, you are my boyfriend. And if that means that I get to share insurance, then so be it. You've got half of New York making a run for your apartment in the middle of a pandemic to offer to walk your dog right now. I think it's beautiful. I think family units, we can always queer up family units yeah. because they're never going to look the way we need them to. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother, but then also my mom's boyfriend was a very good example of like a dude who loved his girlfriend 
Jordan's kids could be, but then there was also my dad. So that's what that's four people, but that doesn't look the way that everyone thinks things are supposed to look. So why not? Yeah. And I kind of, I just love that they are disruptful for lack of a better word. I feel like that word is like, everybody is always like, oh my God. But it's, you know, I think as we are learning that different kind of family structures are more commonplace or more desired among people than I think we were taught to believe, you know, I think the language shifts, right? Especially because what's the most successful relationship that we've seen as millennials? Name it. It's, it's who? It's U.S. troops in the Middle East. That's it. That's the only thing that I've seen work. <laughs> They've been together for a while. The only monogamous relationship on the planet that is unbroken. Yeah. So I'm so sick of people being like, is that crazy? No, it's not crazy. As long as my boy, my two boyfriends know about each other, they love each other. It's an equilateral triangle. More people should try it, not during a pandemic. But eventually... It's funny because I didn't know about this story from 2017. Like they were talking about this now and they were like, we literally had to sue the state of California. It was a first time more than two parents have ever had to ask a state government for this. And it's like wild to think that people have to fight for that. Yeah. Especially when it's like just picking the kid up. You want to be able to provide for the child. Just go to the hospital, pick your kid up from school. Like you shouldn't have to be like, oh, sorry, I'm not on the birth certificate and they don't have my last name. But like, it's wild because my mom, she didn't change her last name when they got, uh, when she got married to my father. And picking me up from stuff when people didn't know who my mom was at first was such a hassle. And I'm like, this is so yeah. wild that the expectation is that every family structure looks like this. Every person has made the decision that you would make and that anything beyond that is like somehow illegitimate or puts a child at risk. I don't know, it's wild. I grew up in Florida though, so you know. <laughs> You know. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Jay, before we let you go, we are going to play a game with you at the end of the show called Let Me Get You Canceled. We play it with every guest. You've played it with a guest before. I'm a Rosa. Gabe, you put that in there. I did. <laughs> I did. It was a throwback to Ira's third podcast episode ever. It, you know, I had to bring his own words back to haunt him. And it was, I'm glad that you were there to do it. I am not going to let you know what we're going to talk about for that. You're going to find out soon. But first, here to discuss the results from the QWERTY Awards that happened this past Wednesday, the highly anticipated Quirty Awards that we are just finding out about as we are recording this. Here to talk to us about them is author and entertainment editor for Quirty, David Reddish. David, what were um, what were your impressions on uh, on the winners and nominees this year? I mean, it was a great crop of nominees, first of all, which makes, I think, the voting much more interesting. Um, and we have people from, you know, all corners of the community, which is wonderful. To my mind, because I'm the entertainment guy, I thought that the television category this year was absolutely outstanding and so competitive in a way that I've never seen it in all my years of working for Query and sort of heading this up. The television performance, you know, best television performance, of course, went to Sarah Paulson and Ratchet. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a stacked category. Yeah. Outstanding performance. But, you know, her competition in the category, people like Haley Sahar, it was so, so tight this year. And that's not even to get into, you know, all the submissions that we had that were on the shortlist for performers that could be considered. So big congratulations to Sarah. She really won big in a very, very competitive category. Yeah, that's impressive. We had uh, Sydney Washington on the show last week, and I think she was also pretty take it away when she saw all the nominees for TV performance, even though her girlfriend, Janika Gibbs, was uh, was among those nominees. She was like, this is wild. And, you know, we big fan of Veneno. A lot of cast members from that show were nominated as well. But congrats to Sarah Paulson. I forgot that they made that relationship public. And I just heard you say that on the podcast. And I was like, yeah. No, Sydney fully put it on the Insta. I, I know, know, I, I know, never. But I was like, <laughs> Gabe. No, you know, I don't, squ I don't squeal on, on comedy royalty. I let them mm. make their own bed and lay in it. You know. 
Schitt's Creek took home the big TV trophy this year for their final season, which is wonderful to see. Awesome. It's so weird that a show be, like sort of hits its peak at this point, you know, in its final, final season. Most of the time, by the time we get to the final season of a show, it's sort of like, are we done yet? Because you guys have been checked out for a while. But with Schitt's Creek, they kept it really fresh and really interesting all the way through, uh, which was fantastic. The top award of the night, Badass of the Year, went to the great Elliot Page. So proud of him. Of course, he's an incredible, incredible performer, incredible voice for the community. He he also won the Closet Door Bust Down Award this year. Oh, we've got a double winner. Our host, Heidi and Closet, took home the award for future all-star. Really yes. happy with her. Yes. Really happy that she was part of the show this year. I got to meet her and interview her prior to the show, which if you guys want to watch it, the interview is live on Queerty, of course. And disclosure, we had such an exciting documentary category this year. Disclosure is such a fantastic film made by my friend uh, Sam Fetter. Oh, awesome. That took home the top prize for documentary against, again, really tough competition, like Tiger King, which was all the rage a year ago. Yeah, it was a great year for digital series. I, I'm so happy to see so many like independent, young, upstart, queer creators creating content, either for themselves to act in or to give themselves a chance to write or direct, to give other queer performers a chance to, to get work. And this year was probably the strongest it's ever been. I felt really, really great about it. Of course, Putting On took home the award for digital series and Tim Spencer of Ding Dong I'm Gay took home the performance category. Another very, very competitive category this year. So I want to know when like Vegas odds makers are going to start like putting down, you know, the odds on who's going to win every year and when we're going to see like full on campaigns, you know, people buying billboards on Sunset Boulevard saying, vote for me in the queer days. Well, at this point, it's like, you know, I, documentaries like Disclosure are being kind of iced out of more mainstream awards. And so we kind of have to turn to the queer community to sort of uplift projects like that, it seems these days, right? I think that's something that's very much appreciated with the queerties. It really shines a light on folks within our community who are enacting change who might not see that same uh, mainstream appreciation, right? Or whatever mainstream means these days, but... <laughs> yeah. And I mean, as far as disclosure, like being left out of the Oscar shortlist, I mean, the Oscars has crazy, crazy long rules as to what qualifies who for what and how everything has to be presented. Fortunately, our rules are more relaxed. It's like, as long as you put something out in the past year, we'll look, you know, you're good. You're good. And you got you got to be queer. So so hit me with it. That's about the extent of it. Yeah, it, it was a great show. Uh, I'm excited to hear more from the public about how they enjoyed it this year and what they think of the winners. So yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think people are going to be really, really excited. Awesome. Well, thank you for the update, David. And could you let our listeners know where they could take a look at the results or watch any of those interviews you mentioned earlier? Uh, you'll be able to find the full list of results on Queerty.com. Amazing. All right. Thank you again so much. That was David. David Reddish, Entertainment Editor for Queerty. We really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, letting us know how that went. Really exciting time of the year. Of course. And hopefully we will hear more from him again in the future. I am really excited to see how next year's Queerties go and hear more about entertainment news. They got the scoop. Jay, I'm not done with you yet, though. I know. We still got a game to play to close out this show. All right. It, I do want to know, did you, were you curious about any of those categories or any of those things a, a shocker to you? Have you been keeping track of the queerties? I, you know, I don't know who won best podcast because it could be a surprise because Keep It could win or The Rear View could win or Race Chaser could win. So that's going to be interesting. I'm very excited as an ex-nerd to see Elliot Page get some hardware. So that makes me very happy. Fully. Yeah, that is. That's really, really exciting. And yeah, I'm psyched to see shows kind of like Shit's Creek, shows that maybe weren't seen widely 
heavily by audiences in their first few seasons kind of like use streamers to their advantage. Like I feel like oh, yeah. so many people started watching that when it got on Netflix and Netflix has canceled so many things I love that like it's nice to see them help keep <laughs> at least one thing alive. I, I love that. I love that at a certain point in everyone's career, you are able to be like, Netflix do better. But also, hey. <laughs> Look, I know I know a lot of great queer people that are making coin at Netflix. So I'm not going to be like, everyone at Netflix sucks. But I am going to be like, I really loved One Day at a Time. And the disrespect <laughs> of telling Rita Moreno she can't do a show as long as she wants to. There are a lot of networks I need to talk to about. Yeah, what are you... Didn't we just see how amazing the traditional American multicam sitcom can be with WandaVision? Get it together. We need to see brown families just not on the news. Make it light. Come on. <laughs> Make it light. Uh-oh. We don't have to play Let Me Get You Canceled. You already did that. Oh, no. <laughs> Accidental colorism. Ideals <laughs> meal. All right, Jay. With that smooth transition, we have reached the very end of our show, so we're going to play a little game called Let Me Get You Canceled. And I know that you were listening to our headlines earlier today, and you know how this game works, okay? So this is a game where we ask our guests to defend a terrible opinion, person, or hot take from the week. And there are a lot of terrible things I can make you defend, but I'm going to make you defend one we talked about on the show. All right, Jay. So in 60 seconds or less, please give me five reasons why it's okay for a queer person to headline Rush Limbaugh's wedding. Okay. You're going to defend Elton John for playing at Rush Limbaugh's wedding or even the idea of going to Rush Limbaugh's wedding. All right. Are you, are you ready? Yes. All right. Here is Jay Jordan defending attending Rush Limbaugh's wedding. Okay. Number one. It's the fourth wedding, so we've already destroyed the sanctity three times before. So at this point, we're making a mockery of these heteronormative rules. That's the first one. Yes. The second one, are there hot men there that I can blackmail? I mean that both literally and figuratively. Because if I can blackmail some hot Republican conservative men, and then I can ruin their political careers down the road, you gotta understand chess, not checkers. Number Number three, what is the menu? That's just a genuine question. If it was just <laughs> not, have you ever gone to a restaurant and you go, oh my God, this food is so good. The minute I get finished with it, I'm going to complain about some of the less than progressive views I've heard about this place. <laughs> but I'm already here and someone already paid for this. So I'm going to finish. I, I shouldn't be angry and hungry. Number four, if you get the chance to put some dirt or like anything disgusting in those people's food like you know whenever you see like a spy and they have to like infiltrate so if you went in there to mess up the event then i think you can go i still think that secretly elton john probably did that thing that he did later in his career where he just gave up on enunciating and that's how he <laughs> performed you know like he was he very much he did that and they still had to pay him top dollar they're like well no you didn't say a single consonant he's like pay me my money that's number four. If he did that, then I'm okay with it. And then number five, to get caught having gay sex there and ruin the event. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jay Jordan, for that impassioned defense of Elton John attending and playing at Rush Limbaugh's wedding. I love that like three of your points was just like find ways to be messy and gay and public about it. And yes. two, two are food related. So honestly, <laughs> you've really got your priorities set. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Everyone who's queer, whether you're famous or not, it's, your, it's not your job to change evil bigots. Like we have so much work to do. We have to know support 
supporting actresses names we have a heavy load to bear and so when you put that weight on us it's not my job to change you why and that's also not an excuse i'm buying for keeping up a friendship with literally a, a garbage there's no more garbage of a garbage human just absolute bile spewing from the mouth at some point you got to wash your hands of folks like that Anyway, I just I love bringing you onto this podcast either to fill in for me when I have COVID very gracefully and beautifully or just to hang out and talk. So thank you for coming back, Jay. Thanks for talking to me about nerd stuff, about the world, about progressive families and also defending Rush Limbaugh. Thank you for having me, Gabe. Remember, everyone, we were wearing glasses before it was cool. We were. That's true. (laughs) And before we let you go, I'm going to ask about your socials in a minute. Um, I do want to remind our listeners of one last thing before we go. I wanted to let you all know about Q Digital. Save Our Spaces initiative. It's raising funds to support LGBTQ venues who've been hit especially hard during the pandemic. You can do two things. You can go to gaycities.com slash save our spaces, just all those words together, no space, to make a tax deductible donation. And you can also, if you know a bar or club owner, you can also tell them to check it out to see more information on how they can actually get a grant to help stay afloat during the pandemic. I love resources like this that are helping our community and our spaces stay afloat. Lord knows it would have taken me much longer to meet Jay, if not for CD bars full of gay men. <laughs> and that is all we've got for today. So we do have to say goodbye to Jay officially now. And before we do, Jay, I've got to know, and everybody else does too, where can people find you? Talk to us, plug your socials, let me know. Oh my goodness, this has been such a crazy week. I was recently verified on Twitter at Jay Jordan. My name, no spaces. They do not know the hell they have unleashed into the digital universe. So Twitter, Instagram, they're all the same. It's just my name, no spaces. Buy my album. I really appreciate a podcast this informative and this queer. Gabe and I, we have some amazing pictures together. I share them <laughs> all the time. We look great. And I'm just very happy to be here. Also, everyone, just look down. When you get done listening to this podcast, look down at the ground and say, hey, Rush Limba. Bye. That's it. <laughs> a stunning farewell from one of my favorite people on the planet and a very honored guest, Jay Jordan. Thank you so much. And you can also, when you're done looking at the ground, you can look back up at your screen and follow, subscribe, rate, review the Queerty podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can do that on Spotify. You can do that wherever you get your podcasts. And you can get your Queerty fix every day at Queerty.com or find me online, Twitter or Instagram using the handle Gaybones, G-A-Y-B-O-N-E-Z. Once again, I'm your host, Gabe Bones. Thank you for listening to the Queerty Podcast. Queerty has been a joint production between Forever Dog and Q Digital. Queerty is hosted by me, Gabe Gonzalez, produced by Andrew McGuire, engineered and edited by Shireen Lonnie Yunez, music by Gabe Lopez, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, Alex Ramsey, Scott Gatz, John Halbach, Dan Tracer, and Melissa D. Mons. Forever! Forever.